0: Hey, everybody, this is Pierre Quinn, and you're listening to episode number 122 of the Leading While Green podcast, where my mission is to help you live, learn and lead with confidence. On this episode of the podcast, I'm joined by the founder of Fruition Lab, Jeff Tatarchuk. Now, before we jump into the conversation with Jeff, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to episode 121 with Tristan White. Culture is everything in that conversation with Tristan White. We talk about his professional journey and how he has built a a place that is on BRW's list of Australia's 50 best places to work for 11 consecutive years. It's a really, really great conversation about entrepreneurship, about leadership, and about culture. I wanna thank you for supporting the Leading While Green podcast. We've been on this incredible journey This is episode 122, so we've been at this for a little bit, and the Leading Wild Green community appreciates your support, your reviews, your shares on social media, the feedback, your suggestions for guests. It's been really, 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 really awesome, and if you have some suggestions for some guests you would like to hear... Uh, send me an email, pierre at pierre at prcquin.com. I also want to invite you to hop over to YouTube. I do a lot of videos on leadership on my YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash pierrequinn. So uploading video content specifically to help emerging leaders is, is what I've been doing recently. So be sure to check that out. So my conversation today is with Jeff Tatarchuk. Now, Jeff is a speaker, he's a coach, he's a consultant. He's also the founder of Fruition Lab. And the mission of Fruition Lab is to connect and catalyze impact-driven entrepreneurs. Now, we have an incredible conversation. We talk about collegiate life for Jeff. We talk about how at nearly every stage of life, he's been involved in an entrepreneurial venture. We talk about what it means to really just create a compelling vision and then leverage your people around that vision. And we also talk about the power of coaching. So there's a little bit of everything in this conversation. It's so chocked full of goodness and you don't want to miss it. So grab something to take notes with as you listen to my conversation with Jeff Tatarchuk. Excited to be joined on this episode of the Leading Wild Green podcast by Jeff Tatarchuk. Jeff, thanks for hanging out with me today. Hey, Pierre, good to be here. So, Jeff, let's let's dive right in, man. So, for for a while, man, CrossFit was your thing. Like mm-hmm. like that that was your thing. Tell us tell us a story about how that became for for at least a time period like an integral part of your life.
1: Yeah, so uh so I started a CrossFit gym while I was getting my master's. Uh, actually, I was in seminary and uh, I found myself, I was more of an entrepreneur. My whole life, I knew I was an entrepreneur from a young age. I, I've started multiple businesses and yet I got into ministry, but I always loved the entrepreneurial side of things. Uh, and I love the impact that was made through entrepreneurship. So when I got to seminary school, wasn't my thing. I knew that for sure. Like early on, I was diagnosed with ADHD, dyslexia, and really struggled in school. Found it really difficult. But I love the practical things. I love building relationships. I loved making ideas uh, a reality. And uh, yeah, so I did that. When I was offered the opportunity to go to seminary, I said, okay, I'm going to do seminary and I'm going to experiment with some things. So it happened to be in a small town in Southwest Michigan, Berrien Springs, And a small market, literally like less than 4,000 people in this area. And so I figured I I could start here, fail, learn a lot of things, and then take it to another area. So uh, when I got to seminary, I actually started a business before CrossFit. I started a thrift shop. And uh, started a thrift store because uh, I love thrift shopping uh, way before Mac Lemoore made it cool, <laughs> right. and and uh, and I realized in the town I was in there was only one thrift store, neighbor to neighbor, and it was only open two days a week, Tuesdays mm-hmm. and Thursdays. And I thought, mm-hmm. man, like what a great opportunity! It's a transient town; people are always trying to sell and buy stuff. Uh, if I was just open five days a week, I would do well. So we opened that up, and uh, it was it was really hard, um, really hard managing all the inventory plus being a student. Um, And uh, my business partner actually had a brain aneurysm uh, Mm. about a few months into it. Couldn't keep it going anymore. I shut it down and uh, literally had a storefront brick and mortar space that I still had two years left on the lease, not knowing what to do. I got depressed. I was kind of that guy. Like I was the guy like, man, you're the guy who's starting a business while in school, man, you're so cool. And then I failed publicly. And so literally closed doors. And, um, I started gaining a lot of weight, man. Like in that little town, there's a Taco Bell, McDonald's, and like a baguette de France, like the sandwich shop that's off the chain. And I started gaining a lot of weight. And one of my, uh, c- uh, classmates told me about this thing called CrossFit, which is like a functional fitness workout program that took off about 10, 12 years ago. And I started doing it in his garage and I was like, man, this thing really works. And then one day I remember going into my store. One of my buddies wanted to buy something. And, uh, he was also a CrossFitter and he's like, dude, you could actually turn this thrift store into a CrossFit gym and make a perfect space. And I was like, say no more. I went and got certified. And then it took two months for the certification to be approved. And we literally opened up like as soon as my application got approved, a week later, got the equipment, sold the sold the stuff, and opened up. And I had no idea what I was doing. And I luckily, I had two friends that were really good CrossFit coaches to, to hold it down as far as legit safety and all that kind of stuff. And I was more of the business, make stuff happen kind of thing. And uh, yeah, we opened up and never looked back, man. And, and about a year and a half later, uh, we just kept kept plowing and found what I loved was the opportunity to really meet the needs in this particular community through entrepreneurships. So yeah, that's how it got started
0: man so really familiar with that town in southwest michigan i went to, went to the same school got the same degree and you know went to school three times <laughs> actually um there there's something about this this school in southwest michigan andrews university uh small town small school and and it seems like every so often somebody comes along in different eras of the school and that person is you know literally a change agent the, Depending on you know maybe academically maybe socially they 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 did something that really transformed the culture of the school and left an indelible mark on 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 even how things are there to this day. And I remember watching you from a distance, and I'm like, "This guy Jeff, like, who is this guy Jeff? Like, he's 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 doing the things, not just talking about it, not, but doing the things." When you look back on that experience, and some people will say. Well, it's because you didn't quite have things figured out or maybe you weren't cut out for pastoral ministry or, you know, a lot of the things that people say. But when you look back on that experience, you know, do you see yourself as somebody, you know, reflectively and saying "Man, I was a I was a part of like I I was a change agent or part of shifting culture as it relates to life in, you know, small town America.
1: Yeah, uh, good question, man. I know, for me, you, you mentioned like was it something like I wasn't good at ministry, so I decided to go into this. It was actually the opposite. When I was an undergrad, um, I was I was at Southern Adventist University in Chattanooga, and I when I graduated, I had ten calls to different churches and conferences in the area in 2008, 2009, when there was actually hiring freezes, nobody was getting picked up. And I remember not feeling peace about any of them. There was some political drama I wasn't interested yeah. in. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I'm not, I, that's not what I'm about. I really need to have peace mm-hmm. with the decision that's made. And people are saying, Jeff, you're crazy. Like, what are you doing? Why aren't you taking any of these calls? Some of them came with paid ways through seminary, getting my graduate degree and all that kind of stuff. And and I I, I deferred it. I said, give it to a a guy or a girl who has a family who needs that like i, I didn 't need it at the time I was young, I was willing to live out of my car and sleep yeah. on people 's couches like I was willing to take those risks early on, and i wasn 't willing to give up the piece of the decision I made for you know a paycheck or for benefits or for mm-hmm. a pay, uh, a secure path ahead yeah. so i literally uh, i was working uh, for less money in downtown Chattanooga, doing what I loved. And that one thing led to the next, to the next, to the next, where I became an evangelist. I was traveling all around Southern California um, doing what I love, but I never would have had that position if I would have taken one of those other 10 hmm. gigs. And so for me, one of the things yeah. that I, uh, yeah, I do believe, like I've been able to make a lot of change, but it's because I, I, it's those that change is based off strong conviction and not allowing other things or elements to dictate like, me wavering in those strong convictions. And so, yeah, I was able to do a lot of cool things in the organization I was working with to experiment with some creative ways of reaching uh, students. And one of the things I stumbled upon while I was there in Southern California as an evangelist was this church that was running a thrift shop. (laughs) Their youth group was running a thrift shop uh, in San Bernardino, which is where I was born and raised, Southern California. Like, there's, there's, you know, like there's Benton Harbor and, and, uh, St. Joe in Michigan. This is like San Bernardino, Loma Linda. And I was from San Bernardino and, uh, what this church had done, their youth group has started a thrift store is making like 15 grand a month. And as an evangelist, I, man, I was begging the church for money. I was begging to get visitors to come in and sit down in the pew and listen to me talk for an hour and put on a program and all this kind of stuff. When this thrift shop, man, um, they would have about a hundred people from the community come through this thing a day Jeez. I was like man and they're making money and the youth group had to literally like ask for requests to give away money at the end of the year they just were making so much money selling junk and that's where I really got the idea of like um you know uh like entrepreneurship being in the community is really a place where you can make I believe the greatest impact there's one of my favorite restaurants I actually started out where you're at in in Maryland's uh, sweet green mm-hmm I don't know if you've been out there. It's like the Chipotle of salads. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was one of my favorite restaurants. And one of the things they have on their wall is there's no such thing as a successful business in an unsuccessful community. Mm. Let me say that again. There's yeah, no such that. thing as an, as a successful business in an unsuccessful community. And I thought to myself, like a lot of times, at least for churches, at least the ones I was a part of, uh, they were so constrained to the four walls of the building they were in that they weren't able to make an impact on the neighbors just right outside their neighborhood. I was working for one church one time. Um, and I remember it was like, like 75% Spanish speaking people outside. If I walked across the street, 75% of those people were Spanish speaking. I said, hey, we need to start a Spanish speaking group within the church. I said, that's not, our, that's not our goal. That's not our mission. There's a Spanish speaking church 10 miles up the road. And I was like, man, if you're not able to adapt to the culture or the the place where you're at, you're going to die. And so mm-hmm. those are kind of yeah. some of the the, the things I, I would take that entrepreneurial spirit, bring it into the church. I'm like, oh, y'all ain't ready for it. I'm going to come back out and take my evangelist, you know, uh, gifting and bring it out into the entrepreneurial realm. And so that's kind of how how that came about. And so I've always been somebody who, like I said, lived from a strong conviction and had to move forward. Um you know, with the peace, knowing that this is what yeah. I'm supposed to do and working within my own skill Um, Yeah. I've been able to make a lot of change, man. It's funny. Uh, when I was at Southern, I started this nonprofit for this thing in downtown Chattanooga and everybody on my team was like, Jeff, this is a bad idea. It was a, it was like a, uh, they were getting paid to live there. It was like, if they weren't getting paid to live there, they'd be homeless. That kind of, mm. that kind of space and place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everybody, the advisor, the professor, everybody's like, no, this is a bad idea, Jeff. Like, there's liabilities. Like, you, people are going to get hurt. They're going to get in trouble, all this kind of stuff. I said, no, this is where I feel like we should go. We should do it. Anyway, it ended up being like the biggest thing on campus. Blew up. Every student got involved from like the little wow. homeschooled girl out from the middle of Kentucky to everyone was able to get involved in this community. Yeah. And that, that same professor, I thought it was funny, the one who said, Jeff, this is a bad idea, wrote an article about me a year and a half later saying, I was wrong. Hmm. And, uh, he, through his idea of being safe, um, he didn't see the vision for what this thing could be. And that's, that's something I guess also is a big piece to this is, uh, being willing to take a risk. I think a lot of times, especially within the church, I know we're talking about leadership, but within the church itself, people are very risk averse, right? And I believe the call Hmm. to faith, the call to the gospel is, is a call to risk it all for the cause, And uh, so that's what I've just been really compelled to do. And when I get behind something, um, I go full force and rally people around. And I've kind of been able to take that with me and catalyze different things everywhere I go. And it's just how God's worked with me. I used to get frustrated with it, too, to be honest. Like, why isn't everybody else doing this? Then I had to come to the realization, looking back 10 years, like, not everybody has the same gifting, skill set, and talents that, that can allow to be that catalyzer. Um, and that I also have a ton of weaknesses as well, that I have to surround myself with other people to help supplement those things. So I don't break too much stuff along the way.
0: Uh, So I want to, I want to ask you about that, about that, that self-awareness. And I I know you teach and coach leaders about being self-aware and you know, you, you, you hire in the areas that you're weak. What, what, what does it take? What, what are the pieces about being a founder? Mm -hmm. And and a a starter, and you know, so many people, especially in this gig economy, like to think of themselves. You know, they put on LinkedIn, "I'm an entrepreneur," "I'm this, that, and the other," kind of twist the terms to fit our specific paradigm. Mm -hmm. But from your experience, what does it actually take to be a starter and a founder, and not just a starter and a founder? Not just hang out your hang out your sign or put up your website and say I'm open for business, but to actually start something that ends up being sustainable. In, yeah. in the midst of even having people come along and adam grant talks about this in his book originals where you know he missed out on some incredible opportunities as a professor mm-hmm. because he looked at his students and said nah that can't be done mm-hmm. and they built companies that revolutionized the world so exactly. what does it take to be you know a, a founder of something that sticks and yeah. and that lasts good question now i think Anybody
1: could be an entrepreneur, as far as the idea of being able to take an idea that doesn't exist, that solves a problem, make that idea a sustainable reality. Like you can learn the skills necessary to be an entrepreneur, but uh, one of the things uh, that I learned this this great book called "The E Myth Revisited" uh, by Michael Gerber, and he it's basically the entrepreneurial myth that exists in the world. And what he breaks down, he says, there's three types of people in an organization: there is the entrepreneur, the visionary; there is the manager. And then there's the technician. So you have the visionary, the manager, and the technician. And you probably are stronger in one of those things. You, some people have, could have two and maybe a fusion of the three. But one of those areas you like more than the other. And what I found is I am a visionary. Mm-hmm. Died in the wool. I remember I was with the leadership team one time and we broke up everybody. There's like 20 of us in a room. And we said, okay, the visionaries stand in one corner, the technicians stand in another corner and the managers in another. And we had another one called the team builders, like the people, people in another corner. Yeah. And I realized I was like the only person in the visionary corner. I was like, wow, that's interesting. Like, I used to get so mad at people. Like, why aren't you seeing my vision? And uh, it's like, well, that's not always a thing. So Number one, you have to understand like what your gifting is. Like, are you a visionary, and are you that founder? And if you are, you need to find the right manager and then the right technicians to help make that vision a reality. But sometimes you might just be the manager, mm-hmm. and you're you're constrained to your own, you know, what you know and understand, and those are the parameters you're going to stick within. But a uh, and you need that founder to help push you. Uh, even further into what you should be doing. So, yeah, it's just self awareness. And some of the things that I've used for self awareness are like Myers Briggs, uh, Clifton Strengths Finder, super good. Um, there's a few other, like the Mindset Wavelength Test, really mm-hmm. great test to help people um, discover where they're at. I'm from like the technician to the visionary skill, like a one to 10, rocked my world, man. And I guess having that self awareness was something I wish I had early on because honestly, uh, I was embarrassed. Like I thought, why, why do I see things that need to happen to be made happen, but other people don't and why yeah. are other people getting on board with it? And so I wish I would have had the self-awareness earlier and maybe taken those tests. Now I took some of those tests in high school. And, uh, and I think once you start taking those things, you can start putting some of the Puzzle pieces together to figure out what are your strengths, weaknesses, experience, your education, and talents that make up the unique fingerprint who is you. And once you know that, like it's a super powerful place yeah. to be. Like it's there's nothing like living in your strengths and also owning your weaknesses. It's like the B rabbit, you know, the whole m M&M thing. Like nobody can come at you if uh, you know for <laughs> your weaknesses if you've yeah. already been open and transparent about them. And that's something I used to be embarrassed about. To be honest, uh, I used to have a lot of people early on. Um, in in my leadership days, they would say, "Jeff, you're an ideas guy," and I'm like, "Dang!" Like, uh, like I used to take that, like, like. Oh, so you're saying I don't get stuff done? Like I used to have a lot of people come. Jeff, you're an ideas guy, and uh, when I took the Clifton Strengths Finder test, my number one strength, ideation. ideation. Yep, a hundred percent, bro. I knew and- I liked you. <laughs> Yay. Hey. so yeah ideation was my number one and uh and i didn't realize that not everybody had ideation in their top yep. five mm-hmm. and so for me it was like okay it's not a bad thing it's something i need to own but also figure out not just to own but how to hone yeah yeah how to craft it in a way so i could wield that ideation strength um correctly because i also have in my top five uh i have uh uh, it's a power. It's a um, co- command. Mm-hmm. I have ideation and command. And so I could be kind of a bull in the China closet sometimes when it comes to like making an idea happen, which works. Yeah, But I also need to know, like, I also, like, I have other people I work with take those tests as well, so that we could all be on the same page, know how we can best kind of fit together. So yeah, man, that's, that's what I highly recommend. Like not everybody is a visionary, not everybody's a manager, not everybody's a technician. You need to know which one you are, which one you lean more towards and then work towards making something happen on the disc. Are you an ID? You know, I just took that test like a couple weeks ago. My, my boy, Jeremy Anderson sent it out to me and I haven't gone through the, uh, I haven't gone through like what each thing means yet, but I have taken it.
0: Yeah. If, if I'm guessing I'm, I'm, because I do that's my that's where I hang out is the disc if I'm guessing yeah I'm gonna say I I, ID because I is that love people interaction social butterfly can come in and change the social energy in a room uh, and it's highly creative the visionary but then the Mm -hmm. D is that command that Mm -hmm. take charge that so okay 81 D yeah yeah yeah, eighty-one T. Is that I knew, right? Is that, I knew is that, that real? D, I knew that D was in there somewhere. I knew.
1: <laughs> right. Yes, sir. So yeah, self awareness is big,
0: bro. So talk. So talk to me a little bit about. You mentioned self awareness, but sometimes you know, you know, from from coaching leaders and dealing with leadership teams, that leaders can be very self aware, but also be ignorant of the the strengths that they can leverage on their team and mm. and Ar Bernard uh, talks about this idea of vision acuity. And he talks about this idea that on your team you're going to have, as you cast vision, you're going to have people who are right next to you, who who can see it right when you see it. But then you're going to have people who, even before the vision comes out of your mouth, mm. they're already there. And then you're you're going to have people that are so far behind that you're going to have to put it so close to their face mm. um, in order for them to to hold on to it. How how can we, as leaders, especially emerging leaders, better well feel more comfortable because Sometimes it's intimidating to know I'm an ideas guy and that person is all about the, the being technical and accuracy. How can we feel more comfortable discovering the, the strengths and, lever- and leveraging those of, of our team so that we can do a much better job of, of rolling out vision?
1: yeah well, I think definitely taking some of those tests discs strengths finder um the wavelength test, all those different kind of things, so everybody is on the same page and understands uh the the way they they work together. I remember there was one friend of mine man in in grad school where i we were friends, but when it came to working together, I hated it <laughs> despised it. And I couldn't figure out why. Like he, j- we just worked differently, and we both loved each other, like off the court. But for some reason, like just the way, and then we both took the Strengths Finder test, and completely changed the way he saw me and I saw him. And I was like, I get it now. I get how this puzzle piece fits together, um, as well as like that wavelength test from technician to visionary piece. I remember uh, another buddy of mine, Seth Yolorda. Uh, he's yeah, one good guy. the one actually put the good guy, man. He's the one that put me onto that test. And I remember we were working on a project together and, um, he, and uh, we had worked together in Chattanooga one time. And I was like, I remember telling Seth, he was, had this church in Chattanooga blowing up, bursting at the seams, multiple services, blowing up the technology before it's time, like really killing it. And I was like, Seth, we got to do a church plant. Like there's this opportunity. There's this building. I got a cheap deal on it. Like there's no other churches out there. He's like, nah, that's not a part of my plan. I was like, oh, man, that's not going to work. Anyway, so I got really discouraged from that. Anyway, fast forward like five years later. He's like, Jeff, let's work together again. I want you to come in and help me build a business um, in in association with my church. And I was like, dude, I love it. It's my skill set. It's what I'm good at. But how do I know I'm not going to bring you another idea and it's going to get shut down again? Like that was a real, real piece. And he said, all right, Jeff, let's take this uh, wavelength test. Uh, I was like, all right, cool. Took it. So I was a 7.5. And uh, which is like not super like pie in the sky visionary. It's kind of it's the entrepreneur. But the mm-hmm. five is a manager, and the number one is like a in the weeds engineer. Just give me something to do and some you know micro detail type of person. Yeah. And Seth was a four point five. And I remember thinking like, man. He, and he told me this. He said, Jeff. He says if if we were to do this correctly, you would come in as the senior pastor, and I would step down into the executive pastor position because that's, that's how uh, our skill sets fit. Yeah. The best, and I loved it. I loved that self had this that Seth had the self awareness to be able to realize like based on our strengths because if I was pushing it f- from another position, he would never do it mm-hmm. he wouldn't he just because he 's the kind of guy he creates a plan he locks in and he 's going to execute that plan, and if any other plans try to come in nope i 'm executing <laughs> this plan, and i 'm the kind of person like yo pivot along the way, be flexible, be fluid and he 's like now, nah, Jeff, you're the kind of person you come up with an idea, you inspire a crowd, and then you need someone like me to come in and help push you forward. And so there's another good book, man, that I just read that has rocked my world. And it's all about how we can, it's all about how we can, um, it's all about how we can uh, essentially work together. And it talks about visionaries and integrators visionaries and integrators and you need somebody who is a visionary but you also need somebody who is an integrator yeah i highly recommend like knowing who you are and what you are good at so that you uh yeah you you can know how to fit because you can't have two visionaries together you get to kill yourself (laughs) you know what i mean yeah and 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 two integrators are gonna be like Okay, everything's done. What are we going to do? But the book is called Rocket Fuel. Highly recommend that book. Really helps teams know how to work together between the visionary and the integrator. It Also has really practical steps on how to, if you are a visionary, how to find an integrator. And if you're an integrator, how to find a visionary and how to work together.
0: Man, Jeff, we're we're dropping crazy book recommendations in this in this podcast episode man. You, I, you, you got a book recommendation like where's the jeff Tatarchuk book can i re- hey, can i drop that in the show notes hey, talk to I, me I,
1: not yet man I'm, <laughs> I'm working on a couple of book ideas but uh it's it, they're in the works man i i i like again like i was the kind of person in school like i hated writing the 500 page uh book re- or 500 word book reports i was yeah. not that guy yeah. but i can get up and talk in front of a crowd for hours and it wasn't even a thing so writing is not my thing but it's one of the things this year that i'm trying to gain the discipline in it's some yeah. of those weak areas i'm trying to strengthen so it, it's coming I, don't, I can't say when but it's definitely coming
0: you can always do it like some of the big name people that we won't mention on this podcast that just speak it that's true <laughs> and have somebody transcribe too. it but we won't mention any of those names on, on, on name. this podcast unless that's they right. unless they want to sponsor it so <laughs> there we go so talk to me man because i got like it's not good to have professional jealousy. It's not like becoming, especially if somebody that's a Christian, you need to just work through those things. Right. But I had some professional jealousy when mm-hmm. I saw Fruition Lab. I was like, oh, man, how come I'm not a part? Like, how mm-hmm. come I didn't do that first? How come mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not a part? Like, this is crazy. This is mm-hmm. why I love it everything about what's happening here mm-hmm. so walk us through people who listen to the leading Wild green podcast many of them have never heard of fruition lab yeah. walk us through from from concept from vision to yeah. execution what that was all about or what it's yeah. still currently about
1: yeah good question man and listen i i was just pulling in everybody i could uh to to be a part of this thing i remember when, I, when we did our first event five years ago um, and it, it's an event for faith driven entrepreneurs and we'd bring together entrepreneurs, investors, leaders, thought, uh, leaders to come together and share ideas with each other. And it was a two day event, Ted talk style. And then we do a pitch competition at the, the end and how that all came about, man, was, uh, so when I was shifting from the thrift store to the, um, th- to the gym, I was like, I need this thing to be legit. Like I want it, I want to be able to sell it one day. I want to be able to s- scale it, set up, franchise, and all this kind of stuff. So, I, so at the university, I was at I walked across the, the way to the business department. I said, man, if somebody over here can walk me through that process, I said, hey, do you guys have anybody here that works with entrepreneurs to help people develop business plans and come up with strategy and all that kind of stuff? I said, nope. That guy is here every other semester, and uh, he's currently gone at the moment. I was like, what? So they're like, yeah, we and that guy has actually never started a business himself. And it blew my mind, bro. And so I remember going back and speaking on entrepreneurship to the business department. And the guy who teaches entrepreneurship came out to me. He's like, "Dude, I've actually." She's like, "Dude, do you use business plans? Like, I've actually never started a business before. I don't even know how to do it." So it's just blowing my brain that the, the resources weren't available. And so I started calling my friends who were uh, business owners. I said, "Hey, what advice do you have?" And I realized that there was a lot of cool people out there doing stuff. That uh, nobody knew about. And I was like, yeah. man, these stories need to be told. Now, within our you know, faith tradition context, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, we're really good at pastoring, teaching, doctors, and healthcare administration. Yeah. Like, that's what we're known yeah. for. Everything outside of that purview falls falls through the cracks, right? And so we, um, so yeah, I, I realized I wanted to create a platform to help tell these stories of people that were out there doing amazing things, dude, like the CEO of Nike sunglasses or sorry, Oakley sunglasses, Adventist, the guy who did life proof iPhone cases, Adventist sold it for $300 million. Um, there was just so many cool stories of people out there doing amazing things that nobody knew about, um, until it came time to ask people for money unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to create a platform because to me, bro, um, ideation is a divine impulse.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like
1: you think about it, man, in the the very and how I got the idea for fruition. I was sitting there as I was putting together the plans for the conference, trying to figure out what to call it. And the idea of fruition, um, the word pops into my brain. Somebody said, you know, something said, Google it. So I Googled it and the very thing that came up was to bring something to, um, to reality. But the second definition is a sense of enjoyment. I was like, Mm. interesting. So we go down a little bit in the word Mm. and the the word uh, comes from the word fruit, which means to enjoy. And I find it interesting that uh, when I think back to the very first idea, when I think about like everything in the world that's created, all started with an idea. First, it started as an idea in God's mind like everything, the plants, the the trees, the, you know, the water, the, the, everything started as an idea. And he was able to take that immaterial thoughts, neurons shooting back and forth and make that idea a material reality. And I was like, man, how cool is that? Then he said, I got another idea. He said, I got another idea. And what I want to do, he says, let's make mankind in our image. And and he said, okay, cool. So he he took that idea, he he came down, got his fingernails dirty, fashion man into his image. And uh, there's a beauty in that process of being able to take an idea, get your hands down and dirty and see that thing become a reality. And, and what the beautiful thing about ideation is, is that's, that's, I believe it's, it's a part of the character of God. It's a part of the image of God that he's given to us. Sure. We say God is a God of love. You know, he, he's, you know, that's the image of God we need to take, but he's also a creator. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, you know, in the church, we demonize creation. Um, And so the beautiful thing is like, sure. I, I, if I was Steve Jobs, I could create an iPhone. Right. But I can't create an iPhone that can make more iPhones hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But God, dude, God made us with not only the ability to create, but then to the ability to recreate and do what he did. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it was like, man, we're missing out on this huge opportunity to cultivate creativity and ideation. And man, there's, there's just a huge need to, to cultivate that. So I really wanted fruition to be a safe place for entrepreneurs because within the church, like I said, they get demonized, like, Oh, why do you have so much money? What did you do to get all that kind of money? And I want to create a safe place for people to be able to be themselves, to share their experiences, to share their failures, to share their resources and the things that they've learned. Um, in, in a, in a in an environment, Dude, it was a beautiful thing, man. And so, so we put together this conference, like I said, Ted, TED Talk style and literally I would stack it with as many people as I could and uh and it would just continue to grow. So we've doing it for about five years. I, I shut it down because the event was just so taxing. Like yeah. uh it was so taxing as you know, you've probably done events, like it's so hard and we never made our money. We usually broke even. Um, but everybody would hit me back later, and be like, Hey, um, like this thing changed my life. Like, when are you gonna do it again? And I'm like, Ah, I don't know. So what I did was this last year, um, I flipped it and and started doing a coaching program. Because one of the things I started doing was uh, outside of running fruition, I started uh, fundraising for for businesses, for startups, and I was managing multi million dollar deals. And I was like, man, I need some accountability. Like, I don't, I'm not the most structured person on the planet, so I need somebody to help me hold somebody accountable. So I hired a coach, paid five thousand bucks, spent a day with this guy, mapped out my life, and he held me accountable for a year literally changed my life. His name's Craig Valentine. Shout out Craig. He is uh, they call him the human I call him my human Adderall. Like he's just that guy uh, and he's coached guys to to nine-figure businesses and just a good dude. And I saw the power in coaching. I took coaching in grad school. I loved it because yeah. coaching is, you know, it's not telling somebody what to do, but it's pulling out of them what they want to do and holding them accountable to it. And, and I loved it. So I started um, taking on clients myself, went through kind of a rough patch in my own personal life that if it wasn't for coaching, I don't believe I would have been able to handle. Like I would have Mm. broken down even worse than, you know, things ended up. And so um, at the beginning of this year, I started, I was like, you know what, I'm not going to do the 200 person event, but I'm going to open up a 10 person one-on-one group coaching program. And I started at the beginning of this year. I was actually texting E.T., uh, uh, Eric Thomas, uh, E.T., a hip-hop preacher. I was texting him on January 1st, just New Year's, all this kind of stuff. We started uh, catching up. And uh, I was telling him, he's like, dude, just do it. And literally, I put up on Instagram probably that same day, like, hey, I'm thinking about doing a coaching program. Who would be interested? And, Yeah had a bunch of people sign up. It was amazing. And so what I've done is I've gotten hyper-focused on helping people um, walk through the process of going through an assessment, where are people currently at, becoming really self-aware. Second, helping them get aligned with their purpose. Uh, Because a lot of people are living out of alignment with their purpose. Mm -hmm. And I believe when you're out of alignment and you're not living in your skill set or your strength, that causes a lot of anxiety, stress, depression, and a whole slew of other negative things. And so what I do is I help with that that self-awareness assessment help people get more aligned with where they should be. And then, um, then based on that, uh, uh, based on the alignment, we then create an activation portion that goes through planning and execution. And then the last part is accountability. And so it's a closed mastermind group to help people, um, figure all of that out and then, um, yeah, build it from there. So I've loved working with just a small number of entrepreneurs, really grow, um, you know, stay in the, the trenches. But the biggest thing for me is the purpose piece, the purpose piece. Cause I, you know, I, I do have a, a I have another friend of mine, Marquise Johns. He always says he's one of my yeah, best friends on the planet. He, he tells me this and he knows me probably better than anybody does. And he says, Jeff, you have forgotten more ideas than most people have ever thought of. And I'm like, ah, it's true. So what I love about coaching other people who are starting businesses is I don't have to start those businesses, but I can kind of live vicariously through them as they're starting it. So it kind of is a (laughs) win-win for everyone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But one thing that I want to touch on is the purpose piece is the alignment piece. Cause I feel like this is where a lot of leaders who are leading right now outside of their purpose and leading outside of their purpose is what's causing stress, anxiety, depression, and they're only doing it because, man, I need a job. Man, I need to be, pay the bills. Man, I need to. my kids need the benefits and all that kind of stuff. But in reality, you're destroying your, your life. You're destroying your marriage. You're destroying your home, your health, all that kind of stuff. And one of the epiphany moments was when I discovered this word ikigai. Yeah. You familiar? You've heard it before? Yeah, yeah. Walk us through. Iki guy, man. So I, I heard about it through this guy Dan Butner, who did this research with National Geographic on the blue zones in the world. And blue zones are the areas in the world that have the highest concentration of people who live over 100 years old. One of them, Loma Linda. Shout out Loma Linda. Mm-hmm. Big, big Franks, something in the Big Franks. I don't know, <laughs> but um, but uh, but Loma Linda. And then one was uh, Sardinia, Italy. And then the other one is Okinawa, Japan. And when he did this Ted, TED talk that I listened to, he spent like 30 seconds when he was researching Okinawa, Japan, is he kept trying to figure out why did they live as long as they did? They were simple people living out, you know, harvesting rice and all that kind of stuff, eating fish and all this kind of stuff. But one of the words that kept coming up over and over that he heard was this word ikigai, mm-hmm. which means your reason for being or your reason for waking up in the morning. And so what, uh, what Dan discovered was is, having a reason for waking up in the morning or having a purpose is connected to your longevity. And so when I've discovered this, I was like, man, there is something to this that really is a, uh, is a, is a real thing. And so for, for people that are, you know, feel out of alignment, they, they need to figure out how to get back into it. And so essentially what Ikigai is, is a way for you to you discover your strengths, pursue your passions, make an impact and get paid to do it. And if you can figure out the sweet spot for what that is, it's literally living in um in your ikigai and it will literally add years to your life. There's the Bible text. I think it's like Proverbs 13:12. This is it. And I believe this is a biblical concept and it says that a desire fulfilled or a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Mm, yeah. This hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is the tree of life. And I really believe, like, God has put dreams, visions, ideas on your heart. And when we're not living in alignment with where we're supposed to be, we're not in it. But when we are, dude, it's literally like snacking on the fruit of the tree of life. And it's a beautiful place to be. It's a scary place to be. I'll never forget when people were like, Jeff, why aren't you taking any of these calls? Jeff, why aren't you, you know, working full time? Because literally, I'll never forget this, man. When I had that gym, <laughs> And uh, I had a chance to go back and work for the organization I was with in Southern California when I was done with grad school, or stay in Michigan. And I had an investor come to me and say, "Jeff, we'll help you buy the building and triple the size and and build out your dream in this space." Now it was Barren Springs. I didn't love Bering Springs to be honest. Like I loved it for like three <laughs> months out of the year when the weather was nice. You can go in Lake Michigan and hang out in the blueberries for fun. The rest of the time, like it was miserable to me. And but I'm from Southern California, so I love surfing. I love you know hanging out, and do all that kind of stuff. So this organization back in Southern California was going to give me a job. And they said, Jeff, we want you to pastor this church, be a young adult pastor and pastor. And this church had like 15 young adults. So I could literally like teach, teach school and then come back and, uh, and surf the rest of the week. And it was literally on the beach in Southern California, Laguna Niguel, like one of the nicest areas in Southern California. But again, I didn't feel peace about it. And this guy presented me the opportunity to invest and grow in this space and place I didn't love, but the opportunity I loved. Hmm. And so again, I ran into that whole area of wanting to be aligned with peace and who I, because I could, I could, I could be a young adult pastor. I could, yeah, I could do it, but it just wasn't, it wasn't where my giftedness was. And so I turned that down and people were saying Jeff you're crazy. But to me man like like it's a scarier risk to to take that leap and to go where you're convicted to go where you feel peace and to do what you're supposed to do versus just going through the safest path. So, yeah, hmm. Ikigai guy has been one of the big pieces that has helped me, you know, pr- understand my strengths, pursue my passion, make an impact, and ultimately get paid to do it. And that's a great space to be in, bro. And that's something that I want everybody to be in that space and place. Um, it's, it's. I've never experienced anything like it. The, the power, the confidence, the peace. It's just, it's undescribable. It's undescribable.
0: Uh, Jordan Rayner. In his book, he he's, was a guest on the Leading Wild Green podcast and his book, Master of One, talks about you know his idea. And, and similar to you, he discovered that his thing, his thing was entrepreneurship. And he talked, he argues in his book that once doing great work in the spot where you're supposed to be either narrowly applied or widely applied, but doing great work is actually one of the highest forms of worship doing what mm-hmm. you were called to do. And you know, this idea of God as a designer and God at work and the majesty of that. And we should be compelled to find what's our one thing totally. uh, so, that, so that we can find, you know, the highest, highest form of worship. Now people on the leading wild green podcast know I was a former pastor. So, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to get some of this every, every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I I wanted to ask you a minute and time has just gotten away from us in, in this conversation, but I want to ask you, there's a person who's listening to the podcast and we're in the middle, you know, middle of of COVID and dealing with a pandemic and all of the things that are happening in the news and, and, and people are afraid and cautious and uncertain about their future. But there's somebody who's listening right now to what you've been saying. And they're like, okay, Jeff, this sounds awesome. And I have this like yearning to do something different, but, Economy is uncertain, Jeff. Like, this is crazy. People are trying to get jobs. Unemployment is ridiculous. But I feel like I'm. I'm not in the right space. And and the way that I put it is that if you're not in the right spot, the place where you are is poorly filled mm-hmm. and the place where you're supposed to be is empty. I mm, um, love that so what, what what do you say to that person they feel that longing some venture or even a different job with an organization that's more aligned with what they feel their sense of calling is but there's so much to be afraid afraid of cautious of how do you how do you wrestle with that what do you tell your clients or the people that text you and say jeff i want to do it but i'm scared like i'm just starting i'm so scared how, how do you respond to them
1: <laughs> I get it, man. Well, first I want to acknowledge it. Like it's the, the fear, the anxiety. I mean, we've never lived in a time like this. And so the, the fear and the uncertainty is so real. So I want to acknowledge that. Like it's, it's hard to, nobody knows the answers. Like I see people putting on conferences, Zoom conferences about like, what do we do? You know, how do we do all this in, in COVID times? Like you don't really even know. Yeah. Like, so you, yeah. know, you, you weren't there in 1918 when this happened last time. So how are you going to speak to it? You know, like, like you an expert, we don't know,
0: Absolutely. But
1: the, but the thing I do know is, uh, you know, it's, it's easy to get caught up. Like we'll self-medicate doing things to try to alleviate the anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, but spend, you know, f- use this time to increase your self-awareness. If you don't know right now, go take those tests and, and maybe, Pierre, maybe you can put them in the show notes below, some access points to those tests. Um, take some time to really educate yourself and figure out what stuff you love. There's another book that I like. It's it's called Your Life's Purpose by by a buddy of mine named Michael Louisier. and he helps you. It's like the strengths test, but he actually helps you figure out where your zone of genius is and where you find your joy in life. And, uh, take some of those tests to really figure out what do you like? What do you love? And in that book, he actually goes through, like, it helps you go through an analysis. What do you currently like about your job? What do you hate about it? And it kind of walks you through your previous job so you can figure out what did you like and what did you hate? So how can you narrow it down? So you're doing less of what you hate and more of what you love, which kind of moves you more closer towards joy. So focus on some self-awareness pieces. Um, and second, like they say, action alleviates anxiety. Hmm and you have to take action you can't allow yourself to be paralyzed because honestly like in this space and place we're not like an aardvark or or an armadillo that can play dead and protect ourselves from the oncoming prey like if we play dead we die right we we don't we if we if we get paralyzed by our anxiety, like especially during this time where pivot is so important, dude. I, I mean, experts are saying we're, we're not just going to hit another recession. We're about to hit another depression. Like there, our current economy is just being buoyed by all these stimulus injections and the Fed printing more money. And we, we're living literally on borrowed time. And I don't say that to scare you. I say that to, to motivate you to take action. So activate, you, you know, take time to, to become more self-aware of who you are. And the second piece is take action. And learn skills. Like, now is the time you should be spending as much time as you can learning the skills necessary that will be around for the next, for the next gig economy, the new gig economy. Um, you know, learn sales. Like, everybody should learn sales. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor, a secretary, a leader, or whatever. Learn sales, learn how to talk to people, uh, learn copywriting. You know, basically, uh, copy is uh, writing that sells. Um, learn marketing. Learn Facebook marketing. Like, these, these are all things that aren't going anywhere. Like, when a business cuts everything, they're not going to cut their marketing team. They're not going to cut their sales team because that's the only way they stay afloat. And so, figure out which things are essential. Figure out which of those things align with your skill set and learn. I'll never forget, man. I was in Chattanooga, deep south, and this guy was fixing my car. And uh, he told me this. He said, man, he says, people could take away your job. They could take away your money. They could take away your home and your family. But the one thing they can't take away are your skills. And so no matter what things come around you, um, develop skills. Now take an audit audit yourself. What skills do you have? If you're just a public speaker, I mean, sure, develop that, become a Zoom motivational speaker to speak to students and leaders in other areas, like develop that skill. That's going to be a new skill, but you're going to have to learn new skills to reach out to those people to get those gigs. Um, learn as many, take an audit of what your skills currently are, and then figure out what skills you need to fill in the gaps and start learning those things along the way. And so, so I, I would, I would learn I would be learning skills right now that will pay in the future. Um, uh, Yeah, that would be my advice.
0: (laughs) Jeff, what's the next big idea? What's the next? If you could pull back the curtain just a little bit, you know, what's Mm. the next? And I'm sure as an ideator, I'm sure you have notebooks and voice memos and -hmm. whiteboards and oversized post-it notes full of stuff. But what's what's give us like a little crumb of something else that's on the horizon that you're thinking about working on?
1: Yeah, so uh, fruition, man. One of the things that I'm doing with it, I'm actually going to uh, bring it back to life again, resurrect it in the form of a virtual conference. We're going to be hosting, where we're going to bring together uh, people from all over the world, experts, and then we're going to be doing a virtual pitch competition online. So that's something that I'm really excited about. Um, I think before, like it just costs a lot to do an event and it costs people a lot of money to get there for hotels, flights, and all that kind of stuff. And I think this could really help grow uh, what we're doing and then scale beyond it and then transition people from that into a coaching program. Cause I've never had the two at the same time. I've never mm-hmm. had okay. the, the actual event that can help funnel people into the coaching program, which I think will be so beneficial. So I, I'm excited about that, man. I think a coaching is also a, a wave. I've never forgot when I, when I was in Craig Valentine's coaching class, there were me and four other people in his room in Santa Monica, California. And, all of the other guys had like three other coaches. One was like a diet coach. The other one was a relationship coach. The other was an accountability coach. And so coaching is a wave and that you can, that you can learn a skill so you can figure out something you're good at and um, that you can help other people and hold them accountable to accomplishing their goals. And so uh, yeah, I'm really excited about developing and, and building out this coaching program as well as um, ha- providing the opportunity to allow other entrepreneurs to grow and build businesses. Cause listen, like sure we're about to hit some pretty serious times and Mm -hmm. it's it's been bad right now, but it's going to get worse. Um, like the best businesses have been born out of depressions and recessions. And it's a time where you, you have to scale back. You have to cut the fat, you have to learn to save, you have to learn to, to make money. Um, And so, yeah. Now is the now is the best time. Now is not the time to be paralyzed. Now is the time to move forward Um, in faith. It's a scary thing, but you're gonna have to move past it. Learn to take risks uh, or die. Like (laughs) realistically, that that umbrella, the the net, the safety net underneath you will be pulled out. Yeah. Like in a way, like our our grandparents went through it. You know, way back in the day. And hey, we're, we're it's going to be us. We're going to have to say oh, our grandkids, you know, one day anyway. But uh, I I think uh, now is the best time to to do it. And so, yeah, coaching. That's something I'm excited about right now.
0: I, I call the shameless plug time. Give us URL, social media handles, all the stuff. How can we get in contact with you? If you've got an assessment yeah. you want us to take, just just lay yeah. it all on us.
1: Yeah, please, man. Uh I appreciate that. So if you want, go to fruitionlab dot com. Right now we're getting ready for uh the event itself. So if you're interested in that, go on there. Uh it, there's a waiting list if you want to get in on it. Uh fruitionlab dot com. And then uh if you want to get a hold of me, probably the best place is on I G, um just uh Jeff dot Tatarchuk T A T A R C H U K. Um at G uh at um uh, and on ig reach out to me shoot me a dm you know if you have an idea there's something that that struck a chord with you or something that you resonate with that you just want to bounce an idea off of i'm happy to be that guy
0: jeff great conversation man we could have gone for another hour easily but i thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to hang out and be a part of the leading wild green podcast incredible conversation we we wish you all the best and whatever ideas pop into your head hey love it man appreciate you and what you're doing great conversation with Jeff Tatarschuk about his work with fruition lab his life as an entrepreneur and what he's doing to coach other leaders I want to encourage you to reach out to Jeff we put some links in the show notes so that you can reach out to him maybe you've got an idea that you're looking to get off the ground maybe you're looking for a coach maybe you just need some advice on how to scale your business as an entrepreneur whatever it is feel free to reach out to Jeff Now, that's all we have for this episode of the Leading While Green podcast. You know it's my mission to help you live, learn, and lead with confidence. You know that. You know that, right? Don't you ever, 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 ever forget it. And until next time, take care and God bless.